This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. Goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. He played. Oh, he's the one. Pussy up the right sideline. He's got to go. He's tackled. Sam Houston wins it. The Bearcats capture their first FCS championship. Hello and welcome to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Ishmael Johnson, Sunday Recap Edition with Carter Yates. What's up, man? A much better weekend for Texas college football. Last week was kind of like a Sunday scaries edition. This one should be much more chipper. A lot more chipper. Uh, one absence you'll notice is uh, coincidentally Mallory Hardley. Uh, I'm sure it has nothing to do with the fact that Michigan State lost to Rutgers. But uh... wait, they wait really? They lost to Rutgers? Oh, oh no. Uh, I feel bad because I texted her when they were winning. I was like, oh, they're gonna do it. And then, like, a second later, I think they gave up, like, a pick six or something. <laughs> I, was, I felt really bad. I was like, oh, never mind. Okay. I also saw, uh, I think they, like, muffed a snap, a punt snap into the end zone. Yeah. I think it was, like, a complete comedy of errors going on. Yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately. So uh, it, That's just so, interesting that she wouldn't even come to defend her troops, you know? I, I think I'm she's, fine. like, this season's not happening. So I don't think there's no defending the troops. <laughs> Uh, so it, to, to, to help ease her pain, I will not sign off with the go Rutgers, um, today. They're four and they're, they're, they're five and two. They, they, they don't need my, they don't need my, my, my hype. So probably going bowling. Okay. So like Carter said, though, we did have a better week, uh, this week for some Texas teams, a couple teams that are still, uh, we'll have some dialogues about them. Uh, we'll just go ahead and get started. We'll go with one of our games of the week. One of those teams that we'll need to have a dialogue about, Tennessee 20, Texas A&M 13. Um, look, I think one of the stats that uh, that people were throwing out is that Jimbo winning on the road in conference is not a thing. It's just not a thing. Uh, he... Uh, I'm trying to figure out the record here. He is. Let me see. I'm literally typing it out. Anyway, I was watching this game a little bit because I was finishing up some basketball magazine stuff. And one, this was the first game where I saw Max Johnson uncomfortable. Um, well, yeah, because the Tennessee defensive line was taking his head off. I was gonna. Time. I was gonna say that's that's a big reason why is that. I really underestimated how how much the off the pass protection specifically has just completely crumbled for Texas A&M. Um, I was somebody who was a Bryce Foster believer in terms of him being the uh, uh, an incredible get for that offensive line at center or guard wherever they played him. He's been playing at center, and he he's not a good pass blocker um the tackle well, position not, right now bryce foster's not even snapping the ball like, right yeah he's he had like six bad snaps or something in that game yep yeah it was it's 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 bad it's bad um and then the tackles like i, I put in our slack chat uh anyway here we, uh he hasn't won a true road game in conference in 10 in two years 
like that that goes to show you enough right there uh jimbo fisher but um or it might have been it might be true road game in general i think like the last road game they won was like a neutral site anyway point whatever being, it is yeah whatever it is, it's whatever it is buyout discuss <laughs> buyout discourse is back right um yeah. but here's the thing 10 years ago AM could not stop putting left tackles in the NFL, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Like you had the Matthews, you had Luke Jokel. You just like every year you're like, there's going to be a first overall or like top five, top 10 pick. And now it's like, they can't put NFL caliber tackles in the NFL. <laughs> um, Kenyon green is like, I like Kenyon green, but he's not a tackle, right? He was, he was a guard. Um, but that's like the last dynamite, offensive linemen that you were like oh yeah from AM, right and then everything else since then has been just bad i i do have an apology to texas a&m's right tackle because i saw the defensive end wearing number 27 yeah. and he was a little more slender and it was on the drive that texas a&m was trying to drive to win the game or tie yeah. the game they were down seven yeah and i was like T- texas a&m's right tackle just got truck sticked by a defensive back that guy's actually a defensive end, okay? So, <laughs> at least a little better. But this guy actually forearm shivered Texas A&M's right tackle, and Texas A&M's right tackle had to hold him to the ground so he didn't kill Max Johnson. Yeah. That's the thing with, like, yes, Max Johnson did play poorly, and he did have some not good throws. Right. But every time he gets the snap, if he's not fielding it off the ground like a shortstop, then he's immediately looking at the ends to see, yeah. like, where he's got to move. Like, he had – literally no time in the pocket whatsoever yeah. it was bad um and that yeah i mentioned that was the first time he looked uncomfortable because for whatever reason they did a solid job of like maybe disguising how poorly the offensive line was um maybe the run game was just more effective so they were able to do like when they can push forward right that's the thing they can they can mow some lanes but they just can't stand back and protect um let me see carter carroll's had a good uh, post on Twitter for, from Gigum247. Uh, he said, in the second half of its last three games combined, uh, Texas A&M has only allowed nine points and committed six turnovers as my cat knocks over something from the from the counter. Uh, in 18 drives, seven punts, six turnovers, three missed field goals, one safety, one turnover on downs. So, again, this offense uh, – let me just get him down real quick. <laughs> He's causing more havoc than that Tennessee defensive line right now. Yes, exactly. Okay. So, as Mallory, keep that in. I don't care. Um, <laughs> uh, but, so, I mean, look, there are only so many ways that you can disguise how poorly your offensive line's doing. Yeah. And I think they ran out of ways, right? I think, and now we're kind of in a, you know, we're kind of in a scenario now. We're looking at the rest of the schedule. They got to go four and one, I think. Like, looking at this back half, they got South Carolina at home, Adel Miss, Mississippi State at home. Then SEC has their stupid, we're going to host a FCS school in November schedule. Yeah. And then they end on the road at LS- LSU. One, you got to go three and oh at home, right? South Carolina, Mississippi State, ACU, easy. Then you got to flip one of Ole Miss or LSU. Like, you on the road, you just have to. Okay. Well, the thing is, the thing is, like, if they were going to be a contender in the SEC, they had to rip off one of these wins against Alabama and Tennessee. Now that they've gone 0-2, it's like you change from, okay, we're trying to go New Year's 6 to, like, we're trying to hold on for a mid-bowl right now. And I think 
they can be one of LSU or Ole Miss because LSU is not the same wagon that they mm-hmm. were last year. Like sure. their defense is, is atrocious right now. Uh, I actually have not kept up with Ole Miss enough, but oh, they're they're fine. They're not. They're they're going to look at that Alabama game as feeling they should have they should have got that one. But they that one has very good potential blow up uh, potential in my opinion. I think they're good enough to where and if AM doesn't get things going, they could really let that one get away from them. The, my whole take with AM right now, and you, it goes back to the Alabama game, just constant punts, you know, in opponent territory. I right. I just feel like they play these games versus an SEC team that's favored against them, and they play like they're the team that's favored and has everything to lose. Like, it feels like they just – it feels like the coaches coach not to lose, and that mm-hmm. permeates to the players – and I don't have like specific stats to like back this up. It just is kind of a feel I get when I watch them. Sure. And I don't understand how Jimbo coaches like that because if there's anyone who has should have the freedom to just let it wheel and deal, it's Jimbo Fisher with a $76 million buyout. Like, dude, like who cares? Like, yeah. let's go for it. Like, let's beat these teams. Like, let's get crazy a little bit. It just feels like they get in these games and they pucker up. Yeah, let it be known that Joe Milton had a hundred yards passing and Tennessee won this game. <laughs> right. Yeah. What was the uh what was the Tennessee rushing yards though? Uh so they had 230 on 50 attempts though. So like Jalen Wright had 136 on tw- almost 20 carries, but it wasn't like they got destroyed on the ground. Right. It took almost 50 carries to get to 232. And yeah. so like and part of that was, I think, uh, Joe Milton was running around a little bit. He, you know, uh, uh, AM was able to get some pressure with four, um, which again, he, this, they're wasting a year in which the defense has kind of found itself again. <laughs> and Whoa. so that, that's definitely not helping. Okay. I want to, I want to talk about the defense too now because what's the status on Edron Cooper and Walter Nolan? Sure. Right? No, those, those are, I mean, that's been two of their outside of, you may be Tory and York. That's two of their three best players this year on defense. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I didn't see Edron Cooper's injury. I did see Walter Nolan's, and yeah. that was very sad. Yeah. Uh, looked like he like just like did something to his, almost like his back or something. I, I'm not sure what the injury is, but yeah, like hopped I think, over I think Albert Regis as well was out. Uh, got knocked out of this one too. So like, yeah, all of a sudden that defense is down two of its three best playmakers, and I believe um, uh, Regis starts. So all of a sudden they're playing hampered. Yeah, exactly. And like once once Cooper and Nolan were out, like Tennessee's running back, Jalen Wright, I did not know anything about Tennessee's running back. He's good. Like, yeah, he yeah, was, he's really good. He's cooking them. Oh, yeah. No, he's really good. So, again, all of a sudden AM went from potential SEC contender to um, all of a sudden they need – like I, I think four and one's the only way that his job is saved, in my opinion. Like 100% saved. I think it's a lot of money, so like that's make, that's what makes me think about it. But like, I think four and one gets the discourse pushed away. Anything less than four and one, people are talking about it. I don't know if he gets fired or gets bought out, but I think people are talking about it if they go three and two. It's just like a it's like a stagnation of the program right now. Yeah, hundred percent. No, I agree. I, I really do. Um, and then <laughs> to not uh, conflate things. Uh, your five-star sign uh, commits Terry Bussey and Draylen Miller visit LSU on the same weekend. 
But if you get rid of if you get rid of Jimbo, you automatically lose every five star you got, right? That's what I've been hearing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's definitely what's gonna happen. <laughs> those guys are just loyal to the Jimbo Fisher program. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, moving on to Carter. Let's get to the one you were at this weekend. A pretty pretty big occasion. North Texas forty five Temple fourteen. You put out the bat signal saying this was a must win for UNT. Oh, yeah. And their bull hopes, and they come out and they kick ass. They uh, first drive was a little worrying. Um, Can I say something about that? Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. First drive was worrying. Like I could have driven a Mack truck through the holes in UNT's defense, but I will cut them some slack because they found out with everyone else that EJ Warner wasn't playing Temple's quarterback who is a strict pocket passer. And they were throwing in Quincy Patterson, who's like a wildcat quarterback, like power run game. So like completely different styles that they found out like 40 minutes before kickoff. Yeah. I remember you, uh, you tweeted out that he wasn't suited out and uh, yeah, it, so they had to face uh, Quincy Patterson, who as physical of a runner, he was, he is an awful passer. (laughs) It was not working very well. He he missed like a screen throw that was like sailed it on his. It was it was bad. Um, I basically put like every time that Temple throws the ball, the shaving points because like it looked like that. Uh, also because well, that. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. It, it'll it'll go into the second half, which we can talk about UNT's defense stepping up, but three interceptions. Yes. When they put the ball in the air. Yes. So Quincy Patterson finished with three interceptions, um, over 100 yards rushing, I believe. But again, that's all they could really do. Um, but this one to me is about just the first two way performance we saw from UNT this year, like mm-hmm. genuinely. Um, the offense, I think we 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 know what to expect from the offense, which is a team that'll put up points. Chandler Rogers is able to sling the ball around. I think they've finally figured out that the last like technically, I think this team is built to be outside of Chandler Rogers, is built to be a running team, right? Like you see that offensive line be able to push forward. You see the stable of running backs they have in the back. I think on paper, before you knew anything about Chandler Rogers and all that, you would have said this team should be able to run the ball. And they have been in spurts this year. But this week was the week where I saw real balance in this game, right? It was Chandler Rogers, um, which again, pass pro, the offensive line is what it is, but he can move around. He can make things happen. Um, Oscar Attaway, Isaiah Johnson, AO, Io Adehi, like all those guys got in on the running game. And it was like, okay, they were able to just like control the game. And then when they went up early, they were able just to ice this away and just completely ride this out. Because like you said, the defense, was able just to not let Temple get into this. It was the first, it was the first instance like you're talking about of the complimentary football piece where like in the second half. So the the first drive of the second half, Temple gets it and it's like fourth and two, I believe, from their <laughs> own territory. And they were down like maybe two touchdowns or something like that. And you could tell like they were starting to press, like right. they already could feel the game slipping away. And um, they ran like Quincy Patterson rolled out left and was like deciding whether the runner passed. Rich Tejada came off the edge and like stuffed him. So they get a fourth down stop, and then two plays later, Oscar Adeaway rips like a 42 yard touchdown run, and it's like they, the route was on right. Yeah. And it's that's that complimentary football piece that North Texas has not had once throughout the season thus far. Yeah, 
And so, I mean, look, this team, they needed this desperately because now they're three and three and they go into the latter half of their schedule where it's tough, right? They get their next game is at Tulane, hosting Memphis, hosting UTSA, at SMU, at Tulsa, and then UAB. So, right. Yeah. Right now, I'd be shocked if they won any of the next four games. It's going to be tough, right? It's going to be really tough. So what they do need, what they needed, though, and I, I tweeted this out, any of these teams that they're playing, maybe except for SMU, I'd be a little, I'm, I'm two lanes, I'll honestly turn it around too. So those two games are the ones that are going to be really tough. But even then, this offense is good enough to catch anybody sleeping, mm-hmm. right? Like this offense is genuinely, SMU blinks, all of a sudden they're in a shootout, Right. I think SMU's defense is really good. Don't get me wrong, but like that's how good I think this offense is for UNC. Eric Morris knows how to scheme up an offense, and like you and and it and again they have they can do it two ways, right? If, if Chandler Rogers happens to have his first bad game, which I think he's due for one, just because he's been that good so far, I think he's due for a game where he's just not as nails. <laughs> Chandler Rogers has to be like Russell Wilson on Thursday Night Football in fall camp to lose that job. I need, to, yeah, we. <sighs> There's, there's only one or two explanations for this, right? Is that he is awful at practice or he just doesn't really care about practice because <laughs> there's no reason, no reason that he was not the best quarterback in practice. Like, or just like over the course of the off season, just I mean, no he, reason. He looked awesome. First time. I know it's Temple. Look, but Still, he's been they, awesome in every game he's been in. I was about to say, he's played fantastic. So that's the only reason I say that he's due to come down to earth. Just like not even come down to earth, not saying that this is a fluke. I'm saying that he's due for an average game soon. Um, or maybe he's not, I don't know. But the point being, even if he does have an average game, the run game is good enough. Right. And if the run game's off, he's good. So I think offensively, they should be fine. This game, this is going to come down. This defense needed this type of game because exactly. this defense needs something down this stretch. Because like you mentioned, these they can go Oh, four in these next four games. They could surprise themselves to two and two, in my opinion, because like you, Memphis doesn't look unbeatable, right? Uh, we've seen UTSA look weird. They had a shake. They had a shaky game yesterday, um, but uh, it, can, it can go from two and two. It can go to zero and four really quickly. I think they need to get one. I mean, they definitely need to get one for a bowl. But I'm saying, just in general, I think they need one of these next four. Even not even including a bowl game, I think like just like for the vibes <laughs> of the season, yeah. I think they need to steal one. Um, and uh, so, th- but what I'm saying is, this performance came at the right time. I talk about it in the piece a little bit too. I wrote after the game, but like on those fourth down stops, the interceptions, you just see that defense like on the sideline, like getting hyped. And Eric mm-hmm. Morris talked about like how good it was to see them happy. You right. know, right. it's a tough year. It's yeah. Been really tough. So it's like a much maligned defense, you know, getting a bit of a game where they can flex a little bit, even if it's against Temple and a backup quarterback, this is exactly what you need for the confidence going forward. Yep. hundred percent. All righty. Let's move on to our last game of the week, uh, which was coincidentally one of the first games of the week, Houston 41, West Virginia 39. What? Oh my, what a game. <laughs> on what? a Hail Mary. Hats off to Dana Holgerson. I mean, no one does it like you, Dana. He drew <laughs> He drew it up. He drew it up. He drew up the magic at the end of the game. Oh my. Um, he talked about it. The roller coaster of emotions that he went on at the end of the game. Like, they, they, they cut to his face 
after West Virginia scored that 50 yard touchdown pass. And you could see a man who knew like his job might be done. Like he actually looked so angry. And he said after the game, it was the angriest he's ever been to the happiest he's ever been like on the Hail Mary. Dude, uh, I'll say this. Speaking of guys who maybe need to watch out for uh, their security. Listen, that did that last defensive possession. We'll get to the we'll get to what this win actually means. That last defensive possession for Houston, Doug Belk, my guy, (laughs) what is this defense? (laughs) It is not good when you have two defensive backs pick each other and give up a fourth and 10, 50-yard bomb. Bruh, it is. Look, Garrett Green's, this offense has, this passing offense for West Virginia has not been good. We talked about this. West Virginia has been a grind it out, muck it up, physical team on the ground and Garrett Green throws for 391 on 20 completions against you like they were 99th in EPA per pass like what <laughs> so yeah. it was yeah oh they, well it's it's like even the pass events but they're also kind of getting demolished in the run game too with quarterback run from Garrett Green like so yeah. it's not like it's not like, oh, they shut down the run game and West Virginia just has to fling it around. It's like West Virginia was doing whatever they wanted, basically. Yeah. And some of it, some of it is like, yes, Doug Belk, like we gotta, we gotta start a dialogue, maybe, but some of it is too, like, I just don't know how much the players are executing all the time. Like the one play that sticks out to me is Garrett Green is in shotgun. It's a third and long. And they literally have a linebacker at QB spy whose sole responsibility is to keep Garrett Green in the pocket. And he like jumps on a pump fake or something and yeah. like lets Garrett Green run to the right of him for a first down. And it's, that's like, that's not scheme. That's just right. like, don't lose your marbles, you know? That's fair. That's fair. So there's plenty of, there's plenty of blame to go around between like players and coaches, but as a coach, it, it falls back on you, you know, yeah. so it's like, what's going on here. Right. Now I get it. Um, but let's talk about, I mean, they won the game. So let's talk about one. The offense, I think had a great game. Uh, Donovan Smith. I th- I tweeted out a video of one of those. You never let them know your next move memes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what, that's what this offense is with Donovan Smith, where he's just like, you know what? Sometimes he's just not going to look like he knows what he's doing, but all of a sudden up oh, 20 yard completion or up oh, the pocket's going to collapse up. Oh, let me just squeeze out of here. Seven yard gain. And it's just like, I don't know what week to week this offense is going to be. <laughs> Donovan Smith fluctuates between like diet Cam Newton on the Panthers, like <laughs> 51 Cam Newton and diet Cam Newton on the Patriots, like yes, yes. where he just like has no idea what he's doing from play to play. Yes. He's he's so polarizing. I yes. fall in and out of love with him more than any guy that I watched this year. <laughs> I will say, so we had, uh, we had Brad Towns on from, uh, from gokooks.com earlier in the week. And he mentioned like the first half against Texas Tech, where you're like, oh, this is the guy that I saw, you know, kick our butt last year. This is awesome. This is this is the Donovan. We got a little bit of that Donovan Smith. Like the vertical passing game was here. Like again, the dual threat run. He had the the it was one of my favorite QB design or play designs, if it works, is the QB draw. I love a good QB draw. 
And on, I think it was a second and goal or something. It was on one of his uh, his first rushing touchdown where he just, it's on the goal line, shotgun, boom, let me just pull this down. And he's big enough to where it doesn't matter if you have like one tackler on him, he's he's going to able to, he's able to power through. And you're like, man, this is, if they would have lost that game, it would have made me really upset because you're like, this is what Dana has been preaching, right? This is like the vertical passing, the, the, the QB run, the really effective running game. And like Stacy Sneed was, I mean, he had that one long run, which kind of boosted his numbers up. But like they, you know, they had playmakers. Um, I think Stephon Jack, Stephon Johnson's obviously kind of broken into like a nice number three. They have like three good receivers now with Matthew Golden and, and Joseph Manjack. Um and Brown, too. I think, yeah, that's what I meant. Sam, like he he's he's really broken out as like a number three for them. Um, and, and like Joseph Manjack seems like he's gonna be open every single play. Like every single time Manjack makes a play, I'm like is anybody on him? Like, it just looks yeah. like he's like, it looks like he wiggles through and he's like, Oh, here I am open again. It's like, okay, I guess. And then, and then Parker Jenkins, the freshman running back, he's yes. kind of taking over the lead bell cow role too. So it's like, they've yes. got dudes. Yeah. And golden, I believe he had another kickoff. I forgot. He had a kickoff return too. Yeah, another one. He might be the best kickoff returner in the nation. He might be. Cause in a couple years after, um, Oh my God, I'm forgetting his name. He plays for the Patriots now. Um, but it was the last time Doug Belk's defense was, legitimately really good uh marcus jones uh he had the walk-off i believe the walk-off kick return against smu i think um and their um uh uh their defense and their special teams hadn't been the same since he left and so Mm -hmm. to see matthew golden kind of take over i wonder if that was like a deliberate decision by dana to be like we need another game breaker on special teams so let's put this guy who's our best receiver at return <laughs> if it was hats off to dana like we don't see that anymore you don't see like the kick returner being the best wide receiver or right. like your best running back going on special teams anymore and sometimes like if you just put those guys out there who are game breakers on offense like yeah shoot put them in on special teams too and like yeah let's let's try something and i mean they don't win that game without that kickoff return nope nope not at all and so that's a second of the year um I'm pretty sure nobody has more than two this year. Um, maybe more than one this year. I'll have to check in the, in, in the country, I mean. So, yeah, huge win for them because, again, this was looking like depressing city. And uh, we were having to possibly look at a future where West Virginia had a shot at the Big 12 championship game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> it was looking dire, man. I was, I was, that's the biggest reason why I'm happy for this win is because, like, we don't have to worry about that anymore. <laughs> Two, two birds with one stone. We get to lean back into Houston for a little while longer, and also yeah. we can stop this West Virginia nonsense. <laughs> Neil Brown, it. hey, look, man, like, hell of a job you're doing this year. Like, West Virginia picked last in the Big 12. Yeah. Like, good for you guys. But, like, I pump the brakes. Yes, but, like, <laughs> let's pump the brakes. Like, I don't need to see y'all in Arlington right. at the end of the year. Speaking of big games coming up, um, Houston needed this one because uh, they got Texas, <laughs> which is a sold-out game. It's going to be rocking, um, and they desperately needed this win because if they go – I think they will hold their own against Texas. We'll talk about this in the week. I think they'll hold their own, but it has the, it had the potential to potentially get really ugly, and I still think it could get ugly if things don't go their way. And if you would have lost this game and then had that – and maybe have a bad performance against Texas – Things are really bad. So, uh, yeah, they desperately needed this. We can talk about it more on Wednesday, but, yeah, I don't have any read on that Houston-Texas game. Very excited for it, though. Okay, let's get into the reverse power poll. 
let's start with another midweek game. UTEP, 27, FIU, 14. Cade McConnell gets the start. Dude. I will raise Dude. my right hand. And I said, I straight up said on the Wednesday show, if Gavin Hardison doesn't play, they're not winning this game. But what little did I realize that Kelly Akari was going to show out and be the best receiver in the country with over 200 yards receiving. Dude, UTEP offensive strategy was like, screw it, he's down there somewhere. Like, they actually <laughs> were throwing go routes left and right. One play, Cade McConnell gets his helmet ripped off, and the next guy comes in, and they just throw a streak. Like, dude, it's like just – they're just going to throw bombs all game. I, I tweeted Nothing out – bombs. I was like, UTEP four-string QB, Cade McConnell, and it's Johnny John Moxon, Jonathan Moxon from Varsity Blues. <laughs> He's actually awesome. Look, and they did it when FIU busted out the Miami Vice uniforms. There's a Lambo that UTEP celebrated in front of. Look, uh, yeah, it that, was great. You don't wear the Miami Vice uniforms with the Lambo unless you think you're going to kill UTEP. Yes. No, they thought this was a romp. They thought this was a romp. So this is what happens when you pull out those candy-ass Miami Vice uniforms with a Texas team. Get punched in the mouth. And then you then you get your car celebrated in front of. <laughs> yeah. Which which also, apparently, like, they rent out that Lambo for a day, like, at FIU. What's that? Who's the lawyer at FIU that's like... Yeah, take yeah, it. Yeah. All right. Cool. We rent this out for the day. Like, I want to. I want to see those liability papers. These kids are just signing. Yeah. No, right. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, like it is a university in Miami, right? Um, and so, like, it, there, somebody went there, right? Somebody that has a Lambo went there. Um, that still lives in South Beach. So they probably just, honestly, who knows? It may not even be a, like an alum. It's probably just like somebody they know. <laughs> that's like, yeah, yeah, we can just like, we can just rent this from the, the shop down, down on the beach. Um, I did like, I think it was Kevin Henry from 247, Horns 247, who used to cover FIU. He tweeted out that uh, as UTEP was celebrating with the Lambo, uh, one of the ushers was like, you can see him in the frame, like kind of like ask coming over to like shoo them away from the yeah. <laughs> shoot them away from the Lambo. And he's like, I appreciate the people in the stadium still doing their job. <laughs> yeah. Look, just because there's an entire football team next to the Lambo, like doesn't mean I'm not going to step up and shoot them away. <laughs> I also love that because he's like, it's not his responsibility to guard the Lambo. He's like, hey, just make sure they don't get in the stands or something. Like, you're, you're, not, you're not responsible for the car. <laughs> Look, you can't put a Lambo literally 10 yards from the field and be like, hey, no touchy. Like, that's not how this works. <laughs> that's not how this works. It's not how they also, works. They also had a Rolls Royce truck, too. You can't have all I'm, this stuff and lose. I'm sorry. I'm so, I'm, yeah, look. Okay, we try to remain unbiased. I'm actually so happy FIU lost. You can't, <laughs> you can't pull the Rolls Royce truck and the Lambo and the Miami Vice uniforms and play like that. Right. Fostering QB. By the, by the way, I should mention, uh, so yeah, Cade McConnell started this game. Kevin Hurley came in for a play and, and threw like a 40-yard bomb on the like in in the uh and so like again i think it was also to kelly akari um which speak we've talked about receivers for utep all year where's this where's where's he been like is he just has he just been in the in the fold and just like in like bubble wrap <laughs> what happened here not yeah not they didn't want to uh, show it too early they want to yeah. show their hand too early I guess so uh regardless massive massive win um yeah this i mean this was a 
this is a fun game. I mean, it really was uh, to see just like a, a one of the do- a dominant receiving performance like this. So, uh, yeah, this is. I think I'm trying to look at their schedule really quick. They have, oh, they have the rivalry game against New Mexico State this week, which another midweek game, which will be very fun. And then they go to Sam Houston, which speaking of Sam Houston, we can move on to them right now. Oh, that was a, you know, UTEP, very fun game. Sam Houston, not very fun. New Mexico State's 27, Sam Houston 13. New Mexico State punched them in the mouth. I'm just going to say, they just came out right away. I think it was 20 to nothing to start this game. Um, Well, here's the problem. Sam Houston's offense is not only bad, they're also quick bad. Like, they don't even get first downs. They throw three plays and punt it. And the Sam Houston defense, we talked about, they had a Herculean effort. They were the 2000s Baltimore Ravens the first three weeks of the season. Those dudes have given up because at what point of ramming your head into a brick wall for 45 minutes of a 60-minute game, do you not say, hey, this sucks, Yeah, and I don't want to, like, and I'm tired of being out here all the time. It was the end of the first quarter, and it was just 7-0, New Mexico State, and this is when I saw that this defense is just – I was like, this defense is starting to crack. It's because – and it was like a they're minute not, ago. They're not, give, they're not giving up. No, I know, I know what you mean. By it. It's, it's discouraging. It's discouraging. <laughs> yeah. um, so it was like a minute to go, and New Mexico State, I think it was like on a second – might have been like first or second down, drops back to pass, and – I think I think they had two uh Sam Houston had two safeties deep. It might have been just one. They were cheating. I think it was one safety. Um and they both bit on the underneath route and then they just leaked out the man and New Mexico State just leaked out their receiver and he was 20 yards wide open. It was pitch and catch and mm-hmm. it was bad. Like go look I'm I'm go look at the replay and I think when he catches the ball it's 10 yards between him and the safety. Um, and that's when I realized, ah, all right, I think we're good here. Seven nothing. We've seen this offense work, right? We've seen the offense work uh, in conference. Okay, cool. Seven nothing. Fourteen nothing. Nope, no chance. There was there was no chance. Um, yes, the defense is cracking. I want to talk about this offense a little bit. Go ahead. Um, they are addicted to throwing short of the first down marker. I think the play that I kind of lost my mind a little bit just watching was a fourth and two that they threw a slant route for a one-yard gain. And it's like, I don't know how you're fourth and two passing and you somehow throw short of the sticks. Like, it does not make sense to me. Yeah, it's a very Brian Brian Schottenheimer um, (laughs) of him. I remember those old Jets, the Jets teams with Mark Sanchez and Brian Schottenheimer. It's like, you know what? Third and seven, five-yard curl, you know, things like that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's bad. Uh, and it's, I, I don't know, man. It's it's, it's not it's, it's rough. Not, it's, it's not fun bad, though. Right. It's like, it's like sad bad. It's not about to say, it's not K. There's no chaos here. It's just sad. Yeah. And so. and also quick bad. And, qu- and like he's a quick bad is a great way to put it. They are definitely off the field very fast. So, all right. Uh, let's move on to the power pool. North Texas, we talked about them. Baylor, they were off this week, uh, thankfully, for kind of yeah, everybody involved. They, need, they needed that. They needed this one. Uh, UTSA, okay. So I hinted at this one a little bit. UTSA 41, UAB 20. This one was way closer than I think they needed it to be. They pulled away late. But UTSA got way too cute 
uh, I believe it was almost in the second, in the end of the first half, UTSA is at the goal line. It was uh, 24 13. They're like at the three, and they run a wide receiver pass that was picked off. Which UAB ran that earlier in the game. You can't do a wide receiver pass when the other team's already done it. I was about to say, it's, that's the rule. That's the unwritten rule. If somebody gets to the trick play first, that's out. You throw that out. It's like, no. Yeah. And and there's work, and UAB's worked. It actually, I posted it like the camera yeah. guy got absolutely yes. taken out. <laughs> like it worked to perfection. Yes. Yes. And that was a great, that was the best. <laughs> I did see that. Yeah, if you haven't seen Carter's Twitter, go check that out. That's Jacob Zeno throws it to the wide receiver on a screen, and he the wide receiver chucks it deep. And not only instead of focusing on the wide receiver, he zooms in on Jacob Zeno, <laughs> who yeah, didn't throw the ball. There. <laughs> it was awesome. I was like, that's the best camera fake ever because he didn't even realize that it was a a, a screen pass. Apparently, <laughs> well, he got he got faked out. Even he got faked out harder than UTSA's defense did because well, we couldn't see how bad they got faked out because we couldn't no, see the pass. No. I could see how bad they got faked oh, out. Really? I saw the wide receiver streaking down the field and all UTSA's defensive backs bid on it. And like yeah. I didn't see him catch the ball, but I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, this is going big. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, the worst part about it, the worst part about the the not that, but the 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 failed one by UTSA. Uh Go look at, I'm, I'm watching it right now. So Frank Harris is going to, it's a play action swing. It looks like a swing pa- a swing play action to, I think Barnes, that is. And so he throws it to Cephas. And <laughs> I feel bad, but Frank Harris is holding his hands up like this as Cephas is about to throw it. Because <laughs> like he's, he's pulling like a Steph Curry, like he's turning his back to the play. as he's <laughs> And Cephas just, oh, to be fair to Frank Harris, Oscar Cardenas is wide open in the end zone, wide open. And Seafish yeah. just short arms it. And the guy's just like waiting at the goal line to pick it off. So it's like, what are you doing? It's but anyway, like the- so they, they, that play, they end up uh, going into the half and then UAB gets the ball and then they score. And it's like 20 to 24. Luckily UTSA blows them out after that, you know, ends up being 41, but there was no reason that you were in control of that game and you got cute and you shouldn't have gotten cute. It's like the uh, who's the Lakers player, Nick Young? Swaggy, oh, yeah, Nicky. <laughs> when he does like the Steph Curry and he's like got his hands out in the ball and it rims out. out. <laughs> yeah, it's like that. Yeah. yeah, no, it basically was. Um, so this game really was in control for UTSA, but it got really, it got unfortunately closer than I think they needed it to be. Um, UAB, like I mentioned, UAB is not very good, uh, under Trent Dilford his first year. Frank Harris was like. Okay, he didn't have to flex in this game, right? It wasn't it wasn't a stressful situation. He only had 170, 171 yards. Kavorian Barnes had 80, almost 80 yards. Robert Henry had a big game, 99 yards. Speaking of a guy who did flex, Kavorian Barnes, remember that goal line carry that he had where uh UAB's middle linebacker reads it perfectly, comes in unblocked. Yeah. They hit each other at the three-yard line, and Kavorian Barnes actually truck sticks this man into the end zone like that was that actually got me so juiced yeah watching the play i was like this guy if he can just hold on to the ball yeah like he's complete back i was about to say yeah just literally just please hold on to the ball and you are you are awesome um so i mean great to me good two-way performance from utsa um in my opinion i think defense had a couple turnovers uh they made jacob zeno's life uncomfortable landry liddy i think had to come in the game for uab for a bit he threw a pick 
Um, so again, a defense that hasn't, that's kind of been run over a little bit, was able to kind of flex themselves and, uh, and make some plays. So, uh, let's see, moving on the power pole, Houston talked about them rice. They were off this week and all right, B or uh, TCU 44 BYU 11, the Josh Hoover show is up and away. <laughs> yeah. What happened? He, so I had this game on. Uh, I was in the office getting some work done and I had this game on like in the, in the third screen. I was like, ah, I don't, I don't think TCU is going to be able to do much, but I want to see how Josh Hoover looks. He looks awesome. He looks pretty good. He had 439 yards passing uh, two picks. Sure. Whatever. That's fine. But they were fully in control of this game. Like that's why it didn't worry me. And he almost threw the ball 60 times. Yeah. Honestly, like if you're going to throw the ball 60 times for 400 yards, I want a couple picks laid in there too. Like, I don't know. That's just me watching the game. Like I want to know you're slinging it. Like, yeah, that's fair. That's <laughs> no, fair. I don't know um, okay. So look, there's going to be a dialogue that's going to get started of like, is Josh Hoover the guy over Chandler Morris when Chandler yep. Morris gets healthy? Yep. And look, every after every touchdown pass, you know, they flashed to Chandler Morris on the sideline uh, looking just kind of like happy, but also kind of like, all right, what's going on here? Yep. Um, so what I will say, Savion Williams, the TC wide receiver, like where has he been before this game? I had not seen him like making any impact plays, he's all over the field today. Yeah. Like I feel like TCU, it's it's very easy to say, like, oh, replace the quarterback. TCU has offensive explosion. Like, yeah, that's the issue. I feel like TCU just played better as a team today, like all around Josh Hoover. Yeah, no, I, I yes, yes, 100 percent I think that, and here's the I think the thing that really, and we'll get to another. <laughs> We'll get to the other half of this dynamic in the next team we're going to talk about on the power pole. There's something to be said about putting your quarterback in a situation in which he's just comfortable, right? Because, like, I think it helped that BYU was so focused on the run game because it looked like they were focused on the run game when they were like, hey, look, uh, this Josh Hoover kid's coming in. Uh, shout out Rockwall Heath, by the way. Um, so that means they're going to run the ball 30 times with Imani Bailey, Right. And that's not what happened. Like Amani Bailey had six, he had a respectable game, but he only had 13 carries. And they were able to like the quick, the passing game was quick. They weren't asking him to do crazy things. Like you mentioned, Savion Williams was there. JP Richardson was there for him. Like a lot of the reads weren't asking him to go win the game. It was asking him to be like very much like, Hey, here are these, you know, upperclassmen veteran receivers that are going to help you out. And the offensive line they're not going to let anybody touch you, right? Mm -hmm. So we're just going to let everybody else kind of do their thing and you do what you need to that's comfortable. The passing game was short. It was quick. The ball got out of his hands and he wasn't touched. And yeah. it was it was literally that simple. And I don't, again, the dialogue is going to start about, oh, is, is could Chandler Morris have done this? Could I don't know. We'll see next next week's going to be the real test for him, right? Because he they got Kansas State, and now he has tape, right? Now there's a whole game of offensive scheme with Josh Hoover, and if Kansas State comes out and says, "Okay, this dude, we're not going to stack the box, we're going to drop coverage, and we're going to you know we're going to have this dude try to carve up our secondary," and he comes out and plays poorly, okay, yeah, sure. Then it was a little bit of BYU maybe giving him a little bit too much cushion, but if he comes out again, 
okay, then we can maybe have a little bit of a discussion. But I'll say that I was very shocked, and in a good way, how succinct this offense looked with Josh Hoover. Yeah, the the game plan was awesome uh, coming into this game for TCU. We also might be facing a situation where all these new Big 12 schools just get steamrolled by the legacy Big 12 schools. Bruh, yeah, it may be it may be one of those years where you're like, maybe it's a year too soon for all of them. <laughs> like, maybe they just weren't ready yet. <laughs> BYU is the team that I'm thinking is the best out of the newcomers, right? Like, UCF's kind of imploding right now. Yeah, UCF's not. They're 0-5, right? Or 0-3 right now? Um, after the blah lost to Kansas, then they got Oklahoma coming up. <laughs> Yeah, Cincinnati's down here, you know, but like BYU is kind of the team I'm thinking like they almost play like with enough physicality to like give these teams fits in the Big 12. And I mean, that game is disheartening for BYU's Big 12 hopes. Yep. Good point. Good point. So we'll see. Um, But yeah, I mean, TCU, good, good for y'all, man. That was a, that was a hell of a performance. They got Kansas state coming up, which will be a huge test. All right. Speaking of Kansas state, uh, Boy, Texas Tech. Um, Kansas State 38, Texas Tech 21. Um, let me – there are two sides to this one, literally both sides of the ball, but I'm going to take the side that stood out to me, which was – so Jake uh, – Baron Morton did not come out in the second half. I didn't exactly see what was wrong. I think Joey, Joey McGuire after the game said he may be okay to go for next week. Um, they're going to prepare both him and Jake Strong. But – Jake Strong, uh, true freshman, uh, shout out Justin Northwest High School. He, he came out and in the second half, and Tech was up, right? I should mention this. Tech was up. He finished the game with almost 30 passes. Taj Brooks finished the game, one of the leading rushers in the country, with 17 carries. And I believe over half of those came in the first half. Mm-hmm. Jake Strong finished with three interceptions in a game that real until late was only they either they were winning or they were down maybe 10 or less. We can have a discussion about the defense because there are some issues on that side too. We'll get to it in a bit. But when you start a true freshman quarterback, why? are you throwing the ball 30 almost 30 times in a half and you and situations were clearly too big for him right now because he threw three picks and he looked uncomfortable all right well to to be fair because i'm gonna make a comparison because tcu had a young qb that they came in and they game planned around him we just talked about the game plan was great short passes you know everyone steps up around him they had a week to prepare. Okay, I right. understand. Texas Tech in the second half has to throw in a freshman. And this is also their third string where yes. Josh Hoover was their second string. Yes. But they didn't they didn't help him out at all. Really? I mean, it and it was like for Taj Brooks, like th- this whole year has been weird with Very Taj weird. because you've got a Ford Bronco like back there in the backfield. Yep. It's not, you know, he's not a Lamborghini, mm-hmm. but he's durable and he's awesome. Like he's yep. a, he's a great running back. He's one of the and best in the almost, conference, potentially one of the best in the country right now, numbers wise. And they treat him, they've treated him most, 
a lot of this year, not the last few weeks they got away from this, so credit to them, but they reverted back into the first few games of the year in yeah. the second half. They treated him like a change of pace back. Where it's like, dude, this is the guy you build the whole plane around Todd Brooks. Yes. Like, he's the guy, especially yes. when Jake Strong comes in. And it's just like, it's like, look, Jake Strong, whatever happens the rest of your life, man, you'll always have that 99-yard drive, which was awesome. It like, was you'll awesome. always have that. Yes. That that fake pitch you did on the option was so sweet. Like, you threw a touchdown pass to Duran Bradley getting absolutely drilled as yes. you let the ball go. It was awesome. Hanging in the Louvre. Talk about it, like, at every cocktail party you ever go through the rest of your life. Yeah. But, like, dude, you got to find balance after after that 90 or 99 yard drive happens yeah it's <sighs> again we can t i do want to talk about the defense a bit because there's obviously issues there but he's sixth in the country and in, in, sorry he is fifth in the country in rushing yards right like taj brooks six yards a carry and he's facing stacked boxes and you mentioned the reason why it's been weird is because i don't know if i want to give credit to them for the past couple weeks because they weren't doing the only reason I think he's been running is because they haven't been able to run Tyler Shuck. <laughs> yeah. You remember the first couple of games, it was like power QB power with Tyler Shuck was like oddly their run game. And then he was out and it was like, Oh, I guess we got to run the ball somehow. And so they give it to Tosh Brooks. Finally. Um, I don't know. It feels like to me that there's a clash between Zach Kidley offensive play caller and tech roster, the way it's currently constructed because offensive line's not a good pass blocking up. We saw that last year. Right, they're not a good pass blocking offensive line, but they can run. They can run the ball, but that's not why you hire Zach Kidley in particular, right? You you get him for what he did with Bailey Zappi at Western Kentucky and Houston Christian, um, but also if you're Zach Kidley, adjust. <laughs> you're, yeah. you're you know bring in bring, that's what you're hired for is to adjust. It just it just feels like Zach Kidley this entire year is five D chest himself. Yes, yes. Like it's just like it's like. He's not calling plays to the strength of the roster. Yes. And look, there's so many explanations for why he's doing what he's doing. He knows better than me. But I'm saying as a guy from a thousand feet in the air that watches this tech team, it's like they never do what they're built to do. Yep. Like they're always like they're trying to go QB run with Tyler Shuck until he gets injured. And then it's like, okay, now we actually have to run Taj Brooks. And then once you get a third string quarterback in there, it's like we're going – Patrick Mahomes, Cliff Kingsbury air raid with our third string quarterback, who's a true freshman. Right. When we what is Tosh, is Tosh Brooks a junior or senior? Like he's, he's a class, he's a senior. Right? He's a senior. He's a senior. Senior running back, dude. Yeah. Like senior running back who is awesome and is like I said, a Ford Bronco. Like he's durable. Yep. Let him run. Yep. Uh, I mean, let's talk quickly about the defense. Um, Kansas State played. I mean, look, I think this is this is an interesting part. Another true freshman quarterback that they put in position to succeed. Now, to be fair, again, uh, I, I didn't know. Not even to be fair. They did. Will Howard started the game. So, like, this isn't like a situation but, where, like, they had a week to prepare and blah, blah, blah. They just ran the ball with Avery Johnson and he ends up with five rushing touchdowns. <laughs> and yeah. so to be fair, to, uh, not even to be fair. It was a bad game both ways for Texas Tech. I'll put it that way. Um, in the second half, they were actually pretty okay keeping this within reach because uh, they had three interceptions. The, the offense gave up three interceptions, and the game never got out of hand in the second half. But the problem is 
up until that point, and then a little bit after that point, uh, they kind of just let a freshman lead an offense that just tore you up on the ground. Yeah, and, like, look, the, the freshman quarterback, like, he was great. He had a great night. Very like, Ronnie uh, Ronnie Bass vibes. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> the, the flow was awesome. Um, he was not, like, just making guys miss. Right. He was running untouched. Like, yeah. that Kansas State offensive line, Ben Sinnott, the fullback. Remember that play where Ben Sinnott literally comes across the end Pancakes, Tech's first defender, then yeah. blocks another guy for Avery Johnson to get it in. It was a very painful atta- uh, running attack for, for Kansas State. Yeah, it, it was like Texas, Texas Tech could not get off any blocks. Yeah. You know, like, so the Avery Johnson guy was, you know, great. We'll see if he, like, ends up starting now over Will Howard. Right. Um, but he's not, like, just making – it's not like Texas Tech was in position to make plays. Sure, I was about to say, yeah, he wasn't pulling a Lamar Jackson and just, like, making dudes just miss 24-7. It was, it was, very, it was a frustrating defensive game. You're just, you're just like, are these guys good enough to get off blocks? And it was the answer was no last, yesterday. And, look, if you're facing an offense that wants to pound the rock and shove it down your throat, it doesn't help when your quarterback is throwing interceptions that, like, sets them up at the 10-yard line. Right. Yes, exactly. They just scored. Like, it's – talk about complimentary football. Like, that yep. was not it last yep. night. Yep. All right. Let's talk uh, – I got two more. So, let's go. SMU, uh, speaking of good two-way performances – 31-10 over ECU. I believe this was on Friday night, right? Um, Thursday. Look, Thursday, Thursday night. Yes, that was. this was also on Thursday. This was – look, we we talked about SMU, like, not really needing to get out of third gear or second gear on offense. This is why. Like, this is why. This game was, what, 14-10 for the whole game, and it really – they blew it up. They They – Tore it open late. They almost, I think they were like 14 or 17 in the fourth quarter. But ECU had nothing for them on offense. <laughs> no. And like what's really interesting about SMU is they're actually on the defensive front seven, like all transfers. Yeah. So they all look like power five guys already, yes. even their G5 team. Like they, they look the part. And, you know, they're just layering in like blitzes stunts like east carolina had no idea what was coming mm-hmm. like half the time and like the defense looks awesome yeah i'll i said when they played oklahoma i was kind of like you know the defense is okay they miss a lot of tackles i'm kind of all in on this defense right now especially in the american athletic conference yeah i was gonna say like that that i mean that oklahoma game is looking better and better right if oklahoma if they finish the year undefeated they go to the big top title like we explained they would like SMU is going to finish the year is probably the second team that's played them the toughest, right? Like it's going to be, this is going to be a, a, this is a really good, really good SMU defense. And in a year, it goes to show that like, I think Red Lashley really has taken a lot of, uh, uh, he's ditched his pride a little bit, right? In, or his ego is the right, is a better way to put it. Because, Offensive coordinator, offensive coach, we know how those tend to go in terms of like not really care, not caring is the wrong way, but like there's less emphasis on defense, right? You're you're here to put up points, you're here to do this. Your defense is maybe here to cause havoc and do crazy things, or in Eric Morris's case, what's a defense that you hate coaching against? And so you kind of like hire that guy. Red Lashley's like, I will take a step back on offense. We will not be this rip roaring, you know, lighted up team. 
because we know this defense, because we need to remake this defense and have them be able to last four quarters. And so then in the fourth quarter, if we need to put up points, sure, the offense is there and can do that. But we want a defense that can play for a full game. And that's what they are right now. And right now, like it is a two-way race between them and Tulane. And we'll see UTSA is coming up behind. They're starting to round into shape too. But right now it looks like a two-horse race because top to bottom, both sides of the ball roster-wise, it's those two teams and it's not close. I want to give a, I want to do a little bit of pushback on yes, Rhett Lashley done a great job, right? Like the defense mm-hmm. is is stellar. Sometimes you need to take a step back on offense to make the make the defense better. But it's not like this offense is like maintaining control and like throttling down sure, to sure. give their defense time. Like SMU's SMU's offense right now is either a four play touchdown drive or a four play punt. Sure, sure. Is what, like they don't sustain drives to me. Yeah, it looks like at least not I think it's, I think I think RJ Maryland still may be their top receiver right now. Which again, really good player. I think he's going to be a future NFL player. But it's he's not. He's also not like Brock Bowers. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it's it, the offense right now. It it just looks like it's like Preston Stone holds the ball for like fifteen seconds, yeah. just waiting for a wide receiver to get some separation, and it's like. He he like throws the ball away half the time mm-hmm. because there's just no one there. Like I really think we underestimated the loss of Rasheed Rice. Oh, and yeah. it's great. And it's great that Preston Stone like deals it to everybody. Like they show their receiving totals, and it's just like eight guys with a hundred yards or something. But I just don't know if they have that game breaker right now. It's like yeah. who's the guy that's gonna get open for you sure. when you really need it? Sure. Like the first the first plays of the game. They're trying to throw go routes, and Stone is dropping it in the bucket, and there's yeah. just no separation. They're tr- they try to throw it. Uh, what's this guy's name from ECU? Oh, let me. I'm gonna forget his name because he had a hell of a game. The cornerback. They literally tried to throw it this guy like 15 times, mm-hmm. and they went like it felt like they went one for 15. Like I don't know what they saw on tape. Yeah. Of, like exposes kid, but like it didn't really work. <laughs> you yeah. know. And and two. I don't know if we're gonna have an answer for that. For SMU, uh, the offense until, geez, I mean they don't play Tulane, uh, they don't play. I mean UTSA wouldn't have tested them, so like I wouldn't say that would matter. But they don't play UTSA. Um, Mem- at Memphis, November eighteenth, maybe. And I don't think Memphis looks. I mean they they look fine, but like yeah. they're probably not going to get challenged till the AAC title game, which could go either way. Like that could be a rude wake up call, or it could be. You know, it could be the great Houdini where Red Lashley like, cool. Now here's the other side of the playbook, and then like, and then you, you know, they all, they end up hitting all four cylinders, and it's like, oh, okay, here's this, here's this offense that we haven't seen yet, but they don't need to right now, and I don't think they'll need to the rest of the year, really. Like UNT is the one that's going to be interesting because I think that's going to be the team that can really stretch them. They have Rice and UNT back to back, two offenses that can really get at this defense. I'm not saying they're going to get through. Get I'm not I'm not saying they're going to put up forty. But, like, they can make a play here and there to where this defense is put on the back heels and the offense maybe has to come out shooting a little bit. The thing I worry about with UNT SMU looking ahead is, like, UNT's offensive line does not stack up well versus SMU's line. Really good point. UNT, like, talk about building a plane out of everything. Like, they built the entire plane out of screen passes yesterday because it it was like they knew that this offensive line could not hold up. And – like Chandler Rogers took four sacks versus a Temple team that is like 125th in the nation in sacks. Yep. And 
it's not like he's holding the ball too long. Like right. he's getting rid of it and he's on time and he's getting either sacked or he's no. getting smacked in the face. Like as soon as he lets the ball go. Yep. Good point. Good point. All right. Uh, all right. Let's talk about my Bobcats, Texas state, Texas state, 21 ULM 20. The Craven curse is over. <laughs> beat it. We beat the allegations. And look, <laughs> No one was was on the edge of his seat more on that final drive than I was when I prematurely called the win, not realizing there was 40 seconds left. And I was like, game winning drive to break the curse. And I was like in Slack saying, shut the hell up. Yeah. And normally I'm so good about that. Like I never do that. And I just like, I I, I just got too excited. Yeah. You know, and like didn't even realize there was like 20, the 40 seconds left. Uh, this, yeah this was a game where everybody every tech state fan i know texted me tweeted at me saying this is a game they lose every single time the last 10 years like the last 10 years it's a game where they're the more talented team ulm i mentioned this during the during the midweek ulm is one of the consistently one of the worst teams in the conference it's just coincidentally that tech state's also been one of the worst teams in the conference um mm-hmm. And so this year, it looked like, okay, this should be a year where they were really able to put some separation between them two. And of course, it came out, you know, the offense was stop and start. The defense was actually playing pretty well for most of the game. Like, it was just like penalties, uh, cut some drives short. Ishmati wasn't healthy, so he didn't get the start. Jamil Jeter did. He ended up with 14 carries, but like, it just wasn't, it wasn't clicking. And then TJ Finley had his third or fourth pick of the year. So, it, yeah. Ishmati's wearing a club. Yeah, he is. He is. He, he, he busted up his hand. I don't know if it's broken or not, but he busted up his hand last week. Finished that game, by the way, which is yeah. nuts. As a running back, Help, you have a busted up nails. hand. Um, yeah, the Texas State red zone defense really kept in the game like the whole time. That was the first time I haven't seen a tush push work. Yeah. Is like ULM tried the tush push, the bro- yeah. brotherly shove. Yeah. And their quarterback just stood straight up. And yeah. it's like, dude, that's the opposite of what you want to do. Like <laughs> you're giving up all your leverage. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was what really kept them in the game. Complete team win, complete atmosphere win. Dude, 27,000. And props to the Texas State fans for getting ULM's wide receiver kicked out of the game. But uh, that was nuts. So yeah, Kev Chard- <laughs> so so Kev Chardello, a uh, friend of mine in the industry, long time uh, on that beat for a long time. Uh, most recently, he's with the Statesman. So yeah, apparently it was a uh, Tyrone Howell for ULM, who was their leading receiver uh, until uh, I believe he got kicked out, or leading receiver on the season, I think. Yeah, apparently. So report, people just thought he threw something into the crowd and uh, just out of nowhere. I'm trying to think. I think the, the only thing the broadcast showed was him getting into it with the crowd. Then all of a sudden uh, he was escorted out. Then some brought, then some footage showed some of the fans throwing some trash and all that. So it looked like, okay, who's, who's egging on who? So Kef, this is on Twitter. Kef tweeted out a little bit more context today. Uh, ULM wide receiver Tyron Howell was escorted out because he threw a water bottle at the student section, allegedly broke someone's nose. And that's when the fans started to throw stuff at him. Hmm. And so again, we'll see exactly. We'll see exactly. He posted somebody's Snapchat with like somebody's like blood from the, from the stands on the sidewalk below. We'll see. Um, that was allegedly from the water bottle that was thrown at the student. Look, I we're gonna we gotta wait for all the facts to come out here because 
Like, I don't like, I'm not, I, I don't know what happened. Sure. But that is insane. If he just unprovoked throws a water bottle. I mean, something kid. had, I mean, something had to have been provoked. I don't, players just don't throw things, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. players just don't turn around and throw. So either somebody threw something at him first and, you know, nobody knew, noticed that. And then he threw something and then hit somebody or somebody said something and just like really got. I don't know, but that's part of the controversy of having a student section behind an opposing bench. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, and also I believe the second time that uh, Tech State student section's gotten into some issues with the with an opposing sideline. Because um, yeah. like of course, we had the, yeah, we had the Trident incident that sparked the Nevada comeback. Um, <laughs> so we'll see, but yeah, so he gets, he gets taken out of the game and to ULM's credit, they, it didn't really matter. They were able to drive the ball anyway. Look, all right, Texas State student section, it's the yin and the yang. You know, sometimes you throw a trident and you spark a comeback, but sometimes you get a guy kicked out, the best receiver, when they're trying to go down the field and score. So, you know. And sometimes you your fan ends up with a sometimes your fan ends up with a broken nose or something. So yeah. so anyway, the story here, Texas State's one win from a bowl. Like they and I don't want to say first time bowl eligibility because they've been here before. They've had six wins, they've had seven wins, and they have they've missed out on a bowl because of at the time lack of bowl availability and people were worried about traveling fan section, all that. That's not gonna happen this time. That one, there's too many bowls that they're gonna get one. And so they're back in it. Like they're they're this season, I think we had them at four or five wins this season, and they're sitting at five and two. With Troy coming up, I think they're both them and Troy are, are um, uh, yeah, they're both five and two. So they get a bye week and they have then they host Troy, massive game, homecoming game too. Georgia Southern, Coastal Carolina, Arkansas State, South Alabama. That is not an easy stretch, right? Mm-hmm. So Georgia Southern, I believe, is four and two. Coastal's turned it around a little bit. Um, they're three and three. I believe they just beat Appalachian State at App, and then they have. Arkansas State, who should be, that's probably the only guaranteed favored win. Um, and then South Alabama, who's one of the best teams in the conference. So long, it's long from done, right? But this is, this is, uh, the vibes are as high as they've ever been, like probably since they made the FCS playoffs in 2005. <laughs> but you put yourself in position where you need at bare minimum one win, right? To get bowl. Bare minimum. Yes, at bare minimum, and and you put yourself in a position in the first half of the season where like you've got a chance if you rip off a couple of these wins in your toughest stretch. Like you've got a higher bowl game than Texas State's been to in I don't know how long. Like, it's, yeah, I was about to say. But I mean, first ever it'd be the first ever bowl, but best season since by far since two thousand five. Um, TJ Finley's right now looks like their best quarterback since Barrick Neely. Um, by far, it's not looking close. And yeah, I mean, Joey Hobart, uh, what a pickup. I want to mention, we haven't talked about him that much. Um, I do want to mention him. Utah Utah Tech, right? He comes in from Utah Tech where he was a 1,200-yard receiver <laughs> and he just mm-hmm. falls to Texas State. He, I think he follows his OC, who's the wide receivers coach at Texas State, uh, Craig Stutzman. But he's just been nails. Six touchdowns, have the game-winning catch, um, 600 yards already on the year. He's been he's been phenomenal, and he plays with like he's uh, like you mentioned the no gloves, no armband swag, just out there. <laughs> yeah, him and just, Joey Manjack. Yeah, yeah, him and Joey Manjack, man. I, I mean, there's a there's a funny there's a funny thing to be said about wide receivers and no white and no no gloves and no no elbow pads there. I love just the love of the game. 
<laughs> yeah, just the love of the game, catching balls. Uh, but yeah, no, he's been fantastic. So this game, this team's fun to watch. Um, and I, I literally heard the like we. I saw some of the videos on Twitter. The Texas State crowd looked awesome. The light, yeah. the lights on the phone, like the, the entire stadium lit up. Yeah, twenty seven thousand there. Uh, I, I was watching on my phone. You hear the crowd like yeah. getting into it at big moments of the game where like you need an advantage. You know, mm-hmm. I was like Texas State is now like in one year in one in half a year gone to like a big time hope field advantage yeah it's nuts it's yeah against again again the two big home crowds this year were jackson state and ulm like that's not t- usually in the, in the past it's had to be tech bringing in a crowd or houston bringing in a crowd now they're doing it on their own which is really cool and uh, uh, Terry Bowden on ULM for rocking the tie and the long sleeve. Still, that's a man of class, right there. I oh wish man, he, he is in, he is in his bag. He is he is in his bag. Just an old man swag. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, number two A and M and number one Texas, who was on a buy and they get like they travel to Houston. We'll talk about that this week. Uh, yeah, a little bit of a better week. Uh, of course, if you're an A and M or tech fan, not as not exactly fun, but uh, overall a fun week um compared to last week and well i mean i don't want to say we're heading into like a good week overall but like i'm i'm like tech in houston or texas houston's gonna be fun i think really gonna be fun i have no idea what to think but i think it's gonna be really fun this was a this was a pivotal week for us at dave campbell's because we were in danger of some of these teams slipping from like feisty and frisky to like dead Yes, you know? yes, yes. So it's like Houston now frisky, and yes. that's an interesting game versus Texas. Yes, they were one hail mary away from being done. So UNT, you know? yeah, and UNT another one of those teams um, who like we now they're frisky again. Like this was a big week in the middle of the power pole yep. for, for us. Yep, it's it's very much a like a Duke Deuce in the music video for Cronkay and Dead, just getting revived. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so- <laughs> UNT is just coming back to life. Exactly. All righty. So that'll do it for us. We'll be back Wednesday. Um, By the way, if you're listening to this, uh, Texas basketball cover drops tomorrow at 1230. So it's a little plug right there Uh, on uh, at DCT basketball on Twitter. We'll be dropping the the main and gatefold cover for the magazine. I'm finishing up, putting up the finishing touches on that today and then tomorrow. Um, But yeah, so we'll be back Wednesday. Jimbo Fisher, give us a call. Uh, we got some buyout discussions to have. And then I promised Mallory I wouldn't say go Rutgers. So um, I'm sorry, Michigan State. <laughs> Again, conditional love of Rutgers. Are we about it or are we, a- are we about it? Because right <laughs> now, it's like we love Rutgers when they're bad. I'm going to say congrats to Rutgers. Congrats yeah. to Rutgers. There we go. I can't I believe it. Mallory doesn't even come to defend her team. On the well, to, wow, to be fair, they didn't do much defending against Rutgers anyway. Um, we'll end it there, <laughs> we'll end it there, and we'll talk to you guys on Wednesday. <laughs>